listening to the Kaiju Apostle Podcast, a Godzilla podcast for hardcore and casual fans alike, and everyone else in between. Thank you for listening. You are uh, tuned into the Kaiju Apostle podcast. My name is David, one of the co-hosts here. And with me, as always, is the first class co-host, Chris Wormskirch. How are you doing, Chris? I am great because I've heard that people are desperate to see the King Kong vs. Godzilla trailer. And I saw the movie. Like, I don't know why people are mad there's no trailer for a 60-year-old movie. See, I thought you were making a really bad, like, not like a joke, because clearly that was a joke, but... Was it? I'm sitting... Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm like, of course, the newbie is confusing Godzilla vs. Kong, but then I realized it was intentional, so... <laughs> was no, that, was that mean, your controversial joke? Yeah, it was my controversial joke. Oh, dude, that's so tame. That isn't even close to the Bill Cosby joke last week. Well, yeah. But I just thought it would get people out there like, no, it's different. I was was wondering why they cut Brie Larson, but that might explain it. See, now I just feel bad. I ruined your joke. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't very funny. Oh, man. this This whole podcast is an exploration in trying and... You know, sometimes I'll try to be funny. Sometimes I'll try to be insightful. And even though more often than not, I'm both tonight. We'll see. Yeah. See, I'll admit I've been trying to listen to more podcasts lately because I'm like, hey, if I'm doing a podcast, I should probably be listening to others. So instead of listening to music on the way to work, I just realized I use my hands so much while I'm talking. Um, I've decided to put on podcasts. My 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 argument against it's always been well, I only have so much time, right? And mm-hmm. I hate starting stop something and then having to pick it back up. But then I was like, "Ask eh, Chris, I'll do it." So I've been listening to a lot of uh, well, there's four episodes, but you know, Monster Island Film Vault, uh, Nathan Marchand, and then uh, you know, it came from Monster Movie Podcast is always a favorite. But like today, I started listening to uh, Monsters vs. Men. And I'm listening to these podcasts and I'm like, God, that's so funny. And then as I'm going through ours and editing, I'm like, are people going to think like, we're funny? Is this worth listening to? I mean, we're always our worst critics, but I'm like, uh, I like to imagine us as those two Muppet critics listening to ourselves talk, just like making jokes about ourselves. Yeah. We're not nearly as grumpy and cantankerous, so not yet. Yeah, but what's this one? The Monsters and Men. That's my favorite John Steinbeck novel. Oh, jeez. See, that's what I'm talking about. It's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the hosts of that podcast are like, "All right, edit our names out now, please." Right. No, so I I will say it's I've only listened to half of an episode so far. 
Cause like I said, I've just really been starting like, okay, I'm going to start doing this and it's really good. Like they, they riff off of each other really well. Um, I'm listening to the episode about uh, all monsters attack, which is, you know, Godzilla's revenge here in the U S and like, it's funny because the things that they don't like about it, I feel like I like about it, but it's not that we even disagree. It's just kind of people want different things out of films. Right. And I feel like that's a good segue into the article that just got published this past weekend on uh, Godzilla-movies.com. Um, I've known the the admins for a little bit now, and they were uh, gracious enough to allow me to not only publish an article about how we have conversations, you know, in the fandom about these films, but I'm going to be doing some more articles here in the future. But uh, yeah, I mean, so let's let's take a minute before we get into the film. Not necessarily talk about my article because I don't want to blow smoke up my own, you know, my own. But but uh, thank you, you know, for you watching a, your language. Yeah, right. And it's like I'm halfway through this beer and I'm being conservative. <laughs> That's great. We used um, all and, of our we used all of our curses a couple episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so you and I both have been a part of multiple fandoms. Um, I feel like you've been a lot more invested in the Star Wars community, obviously. And for a while, I mean, I was too, right? Mm-hmm. And so just let's take a couple minutes. Like, so you're obviously not really in the Godzilla fandom necessarily, but like, what is your, what is your take on what I wrote? I guess not necessarily about the content itself, but like, how do you see, you know, maybe an outsider looking in, you know, what are some of your suggestions and how we can really like move past this whole, not necessarily gatekeeping. Cause I feel like a lot of this isn't gatekeeping, but how do we move past this? Like, inability to really listen to each other and an inability to really disagree without resorting to pejoratives and, you know, punching down on each other. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've realized and I'm not really sure being so invested in the Star Wars fandom, right. And, um, kind of on the sides, like the periphery of a few, one of the one one of the things that I've Great noticed band, quick, by the way, Periphery. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> I thought we were coming up with other band names. Um, I think one of the one of the things I've noticed is like the Godzilla fandom kind of like when I read like Godzilla Reddit or mm-hmm. the Gojapedia I just discovered, I'm like, this is what people who listen to me talk about Star Wars must feel like. Because I have no idea what half of these words are. Um, Or even a few episodes when I pronounced Godzilla's kid's name wrong. And I'm like, well, I've never heard it. And it's going to be a year or so until I do hear it. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. I've never felt, I've never felt actively pushed out, Mm -hmm. but I've kind of felt like the entry barrier is huge. Yeah. Even looking at some of the memes that we post, and by we, I of course mean you, mm-hmm. because all of my memes are rejected in the planning stages. Yeah, there's a. Uh, I think after a few weeks, you realize they weren't going anywhere. It's like, oh yeah, they're <laughs> wait, they're actually going to the recycle bin. <laughs> yeah, well, it isn't true. By the way, he's never sent me any memes, but because no, he, I memes. I am above memes. I'm a mature man. <laughs> 
<laughs> a properly functioning adult. Yeah. Well, it's just it's even some of the ones that you post I'm looking at and I'm like, I don't I don't understand this. Yeah. And I think this is all in English. It's it's just an interesting so I wonder and I wonder too, like with Star Wars, I've noticed like some of the ways that we speak, like with Star Wars there's this whole like spoiler culture, right? Oh Jesus. Yeah, but I think the baby, Yoda. Like, baby Yoda, baby <laughs> Yoda, baby Yoda. And if you the the Star Wars Twitter account posted that one, so yeah. And if you're right. outside of the U.S., you know there's a specific brand of seafaring men who might be able to help you with that one. Just mm-hmm. kidding, but um, it's it's tough because there's so much Star Wars to consume at once that it's that it you already have to choose what you're not engaging with from the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas like Godzilla has a lot, but it's not a lot at once. No, and so it's just kind of like there's different entry barriers. So I think gatekeeping and decades long franchises is going to happen unintentionally at first. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that I'm probably not a great one to ask because I know someone you and a Twitter user were talking about Mothra mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh no, that's probably a spoiler. So I had to avoid that. Oh <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Which from what I caught, it looked like a great discussion. I, Talking about Buddhism and Eastern religions, I was like, this is my vibe. Thank you. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't remember who, but someone involved in the Mothra film, and it may have been, uh, yeah, I don't remember who it was, but I was talking with Nathan Marchand from Monster Island Film Vault, and he's talking about how he converted from Buddhism to Catholicism. So that being why we see an explicit imagery in that film. Um, so I thought those, you know, that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, oh, I had no idea. Right. Um, yeah. so that was, that was a really cool tidbit. Would have been nice to know that beforehand. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I did not mean for that to come off so passive aggressively. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's cool. Not that it's anyone's responsibility to research apart from myself. Um, but the reason I asked that is just because, you know, I think part of it is like, we care about these things so much. Right. Right. And that that's fine and all, but I think ultimately the thing that bothers me is like I love Godzilla, right? And I love Star Wars and other phantoms too. And, all and that. I love democracy. Uh, cool story, bro. Um, <laughs> but like you know, we love these things. But at the end of the day, like as much as it, as as much of a part of our life as it is, right? We have to remember like these things aren't our lives, and if they are, like I'm a little concerned about that. Like, yes, I we're doing a Godzilla podcast and we did a Star Wars podcast before. And like, yes, there's these things that we do. But like, ultimately, like my priority in my life is my wife and my son and my job and obviously my faith. Like those things come first. Like there has to be something in our life that comes before these things. This mm-hmm. this, this passion that we have, like it can be integrated in that. Right. But like at the mm-hmm. end of the day. You know, and obviously we have our, our Christian views on this, but like at the end of the day, all of this is going to pass away, right? This is all going to burn down, whatever. But like what I do with my life and how I, I love and care for people or conversely, if I don't love and care for people, right? Like that's what's going to matter, it, it, you know, being a good steward of what I have. So it's just like, I think for me, like 
we get invested because we care. But I think a lot of times we don't realize how much we care is an issue. And you're right. You know, people are coming into this new and fresh, like with the, the invention of the monster verse, you know, we're bringing a lot of new fans that weren't here before. So of course they, they love the designs and all this stuff, which is fine and all. But I think for me personally, it's when the adults are the ones who are gatekeepers and kind of ignorant about what these films really are. Right. So like right. some interactions I had this week and I'm like, dude, I'm looking at you like you've got to be my age and you're, you're spouting off stuff that I would expect from like an 11 year old, you know? And it's just, it's frustrating because I know if this is happening like how he's interacting with other people too. Right. Mm-hmm. So I guess really the reason I ask is because I feel like that's kind of, again, the goal with this podcast, right. Is we want to be able to dive deeper and I want to be able to show people like coming in fresh, like there's things that we can see in this film. It's not like this is the only way to read it. I meant to Mm -hmm. to watch it. Right. I'm thinking biblically, the only way to read Mm -hmm. the text, right. Right. We're not saying like, this is the only way to watch these films, but like really you kind of cheat yourself if you only watch it on a surface level. Right. And that's the same thing with the Bible. If you just read it, like a plain reading, you're cheating yourself. I mean, you know, that's, that's actually what our sermon was about at church this weekend where my friend was preaching. And it's like, you know, we're not called to be proposition holders. We're called to be people, family members of a story, right? Mm. A story that began in the garden and ends a new creation. Like it's more than just propositions and right living, you know, like, what do I take from this text? Because then you get these weird texts where I'm like, all right, how does this apply as a devotional? I don't really know what to do here. Well, I think kind of to take that point to what you were saying earlier about like having priorities outside of Godzilla and the monster verse. I just want to be clear that what you're not, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I think you'd agree. What you and I are not saying is go outside lol it's not that like having this type of passion for the films is wrong yeah but what we want to avoid is when we kind of shore them up we shore up our defenses and we can't make connections with people who want to enjoy the same things we do like Mm -hmm. we can't hold our interpretations we can't hold our way of viewing the film as gospel pun intended to the point where we're ostracizing other people who want to enjoy the same things we do. Yeah. Because I think we live in such an unprecedented time of mainstream nerdery that Mm -hmm. could you, I mean, even me growing up and I'm, you know, 26. So even when I was young, I was like six when X-Men came out. Right. And they were getting that mainstream, but we're at such a place now where, Names like not just Captain America or Iron Man are household names, but we have people talking about like Thanos or Ego, the living planet. Oh, yeah. Or even like all these Stranger Things fans who went to see Godzilla, who may have no idea that it wasn't the first time we've seen whatever monsters are in the recent one that I haven't Mm -hmm. seen yet. So, so it's just like, it's not about like, don't be a nerd. It's not about don't like Mm -hmm. these things, but it's just, are we coming with open arms to say, welcome to the monster family? Are we looking to build bridges? I wonder where I read that one from, but 
<laughs> are we looking to build these bridges or are we trying to keep it our way, our way or the highway? And if that's the case, then we have to kind of reevaluate, well, why do we like these things? Do yeah. I want do I want to be a part of a community or it, am I the only one who can enjoy these films correctly? And when that becomes the case, that's when it gets a little scary because no people like different things for different reasons. We, when we talk about not wanting to like, not every movie is about the monster fights. There are some that are, Mm -hmm. but we just want to talk about it accurately. We don't want to, we don't want to paint with such a broad brush to say, no, you're wrong. They're all about humans. Well, Mm -hmm. there's probably some that don't do that well, but we just want to talk accurately and represent the films faithfully and that way bring in as many as we can to these conversations. Exactly. And you, I mean, you really said it better than I could have, um, because that's it. It's just, there's this point where you hold on to this too tightly, right? Like you think about if you love something, like not just to let it go, but like, if you hold on too tightly, it just suffocates. It can't breathe. Right. You have to right. know how to be able to like accurately deal with something. And, I'm not I'm not perfect at the way I handle this, but I think for me, like if people want to enjoy movies for the monster fights and stuff, that's awesome because ultimately there's a part of me that loves that too, right? I wouldn't watch these films if I didn't like that. But the right. thing is, it's like whether you like that or not, my whole thing is like, let's just at least, like you said, let's talk about these accurately. Let's just at least be honest about what these are. Now, if you don't like that side of the things, that's that's absolutely fine. You are absolutely entitled to feel that way. Like you have mm-hmm. the ability to feel that way. But to sit here and say that it's X or Y when it's categorically and historically proven not to be the case, that's kind of where I actually feel like you get into gatekeeping because then you're like, well, no, it's not like this. And if you feel this way, I'm like, no, I mean, again, like if you want the action and stuff, that's fine. Like, I mean, that's what I enjoyed as a kid. And there's still times I enjoy that now. But at the end of the day, yeah, let's just, let's admit what it is one way or another. And from there, do what you want to do with it. But it's just, it's just having that conversation. And that's the tough thing is, you know, more than Star Wars and the Godzilla fandom, you have people that are 10, 11 years old here online. And then, you know, grown adults are harassing them. And I'm like, okay, that's, it's, it's tough because you don't always know who you're talking to. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's part of it. But yeah. <sighs> so let's, before we get into the film, mm-hmm. because I, we've gotten a little bit on this, I do want to say, like, you pointed out a few podcasts and a website and, you know, as murder podcasts get more popular, we want to talk about all of our famous, our favorite kaiju murder podcasts, if you have any of those. But more seriously, do you want to give a little more context on some of those websites and podcasts you brought up before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Monster Island Film Vault, uh, his... Name is Nathan Marchand. Um, I actually do not have his previous podcast, unfortunately. I'm pulling that up right now. Um, but he has become a uh, quick friend of mine. Um, and I, I like his approach. He he takes a... Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, it's It's almost like... And not like in a weird, cringy way. But 
he's very it's kind of like a role play like he he's got a bit that he commits to about living on monster island and i mean even his guests there's comments like oh he had to get flown in and stuff like that and i love that like the way he commits to the act is absolutely incredible um and he's just a very charismatic host to begin with and he likes the the anime trilogy too so i appreciate him for that but uh we've got some really cool stuff that we're working on behind the scenes i'm excited to share that with y'all um but yeah, so like past few episodes that he did, his last episode was uh, uh, Son of Kong. So he's done a lot of the Godzilla films on another podcast, and that's what I'm trying to remember right now, and I can't find it in time. Um, but he's gone through all of the the Kong films so far, and a lot of the history, the research that he does, he, he discusses philosophy a lot. Um, it's really good. And then, uh, yeah, we've got Monsters vs. Men. Um, that's That's been a new one for me. They're pretty new as well. I think they actually just, yeah, just joined Twitter in July. They've only got a couple episodes going now. But they seem like really nice guys. I don't really know them too much. Um, they discuss themselves, the American Ninja Warrior of Godzilla podcast. I'm like, that's actually kind of a, a cool little description there. But yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff happening right now in that regard um you know like it came from a, a monster film you know he's a uh, he henry is just one of the best people i've met online and his episodes are fun because they do this whole like they'll talk about the film and then they'll watch it together and then go over it after that and they rate the film off different categories so i mean that and they get some of the craziest stuff on there like uh what was i think one of the most recent films i haven't listened to yet was tsunami I think is what it was called. And apparently it's just a horrible movie. Um, but they do a lot of like B and C and Z <laughs> films on there. Wow. Um, so yeah. Is this Tsunami cool. like the prequel to Harambi or? What is with you and all the Harambi? Like you continually will not let him rest in his grave. Um, wasn't he the co-star in tonight's film? Yeah, pretty much. But so little aside, though, before we do actually get into the film, every time I ask humor. Chris how he's doing that, like that's actually legitimate because we usually because we're doing this remotely. So like I actually do care about how he's doing. That's me actually asking. So it's not just a bit like it's it's a genuine question, guys. I really do care. OK, and we'll be happy to ask how you're doing, too. Yeah. Yeah. Hit us up. We want to hear. Do it. OK. So we have talked about a few films so far, obviously, and mm-hmm. this one holds a special place in my heart because I went from loving it as a kid to hating it as an adult and then falling in love with it again. So we are talking about the infamous King Kong vs. Godzilla. David, are we talking about the American or the Japanese version? A little bit of both. But unlike Varan, we're actually going to go over the uh, mostly the Japanese film. Because here's my thing is I, I wanted you to experience the best version. And um, with Varan, there was no best version. So <laughs> this is, you know, I wanted this experience to be better. Um, but what we're going to do moving forward is just kind of have like a, a plot summary that uh, I'm going to draw up each week um, just to kind of 
you know, set us on course here. Um, so when a pharmaceutical company is upset with the TV shows they're sponsoring, it's up to two employees to bring back a fabled monster to boost ratings at whatever cost, AKA a crap ton of tobacco. Of course, things don't go quite according to plan, including Godzilla's reappearance after seven years. The two Titans end up clashing and Japan stuck in the middle lends their support to King Kong in order to prevent the radiated dinosaur from ravaging their cities once again. Uh, director is once again Ishiro Honda. Uh, producers uh, Tomoyuki Tanaka, writer Shinichi Sekizawa, and then uh, starring we have a uh, Tadao Takashima as Osamu Sakurai. Which fun fact he is actually a jazz musician in real life, so it's kind of it was cool yeah. to see that. Um, Kenji Sahara as uh, Kazuo Fujita, uh, Yu Fujiki as Kintsubura. Uh, so uh, as Kintsuburo, excuse me, and then Ichiro Arashima as Mr. Taco, which is their the boss. Uh, Maihama as Fumiku Sakurai, and then uh, Akihiko Harata as Professor Shigasawa, which I'm sure you recognized him from uh, the first Gojira film, and then Rodan, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, he plays he plays roles a few times, and I love it. But uh, music, Akira Ifukube's back, and I definitely would say uh, this is one of his better scores in this era. I, I, I love it. But Chris, do you want me to go over the history of the film or do you want to talk about your, your thoughts first? Let's go over the history a little bit because this is we're we're back on the official like Godzilla track now. Mm-hmm. And we're six episodes in. Yeah, we're six episodes. And in. we've and only half of them have actually been about Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. Yeah, let's do the history because I like we, we talked about committing to a bit earlier about living on Monster Island. Uh-huh. Our bit is that I'm actually clueless. <laughs> so I don't need I don't need to commit. This is the life I live. <laughs> I told myself earlier, I'm like, I'm not going to ask him again. Uh, I don't know if you were aware of this because I'm like, of course you're not. We know this. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. If so, whenever you say you know, I'm like, well, no, I sure actually don't. <laughs> I know. I realize that. I'm like, I'm such a dick. <laughs> so, are you familiar with the name Willow O'Brien? No. Okay, because that you could have legitimately been familiar with this one. Um, so he is the special effects pioneer uh, befi- behind films like uh, Lost World, King Kong, Mighty Joe Young, right? Um, okay. So this film actually came to life because Willis O'Brien was looking at doing a sequel to King Kong. Well, so this is what's weird is like you have King Kong and then Son of Kong and Son of Kong's a direct sequel. But then somehow this was going to be a sequel, but it couldn't have been <laughs> to Son of Kong because Kong was dead. But then Kong was already Whoa. dead in the first one. So I don't really know how this was going to be a sequel. But anyway, um, the idea was that Carl Denham, you know, whether you've seen the old one or the 2005 one, Carl Denham's in both. Um, somehow they both end up in San Francisco and King Kong ends up fighting Dr. Frankenstein's grandson's monster, right? So I think they end up calling him the Ginkgo, I think was his name. Oh. And uh, so John Beck, being an American producer, he takes the script. 
and he can't get it produced and financed in the States. So then he goes to Toho and he's like, Hey, you know, let's make this film. He had this idea and they're like, well, we'll do it. But only if we replace the monster with Godzilla. Right. So then RKO provides the rights to King Kong universal co-produces the film. So that's why they have the rights to the American version. And really this is such a different film because what I didn't know until I did research is at this time, 30% of the films coming out of Toho were a comedy. So this is when we really start seeing the comedic elements coming in. Not that Mm. there weren't before, but this is definitely like, whereas Mothra had those elements, like this is straight up like a, a comedic film, hands down. Yeah. That, that puts a little more into context. Yeah. So that's, you know, cliff notes of how the film came to be. So Chris, what did you think? Yeah, I kind of wondered, this is related to your comment about the comedy, that this felt like a real tonal shift in both the comedy and maybe just like the, I don't know. I don't know if it's because it was like our first like traditional kaiju fight, Mm -hmm. but the stakes felt kind of lower. Hmm. And, and I mean, the stakes are actually a lot bigger. There's now two kaiju fighting over Japan, but something about maybe like the tonal shift kind of signaled something was changing it and, and a whole, as a whole to me. Do you think part of that is because you don't really see any deaths in the film now, whereas the previous ones you do? Yeah, the, the toll was a lot higher for sure. That's a good point. I hadn't considered that quite yet. Yeah, because obviously Gojira, you see a lot of people die. And right. then Godzilla raids again. It's not necessarily because of the monsters, but you still see it. You know, Rodan, you see it as well. Mothra, you see it as well. Mm-hmm. But this film kind of steps back a little bit where like you see the destruction, but you don't necessarily see anyone die. Yeah, there's a, there's a little like kidnapping mild kidnapping towards the end but i don't know much yeah that's a really good point i hadn't really considered the death toll which considering that we end each episode with pouring one out for someone who died should have considered that a little bit more closely i still have one (laughs) i'm not spoiling no i'm gonna i'll save mine too (laughs) but yeah, I, I'm curious. One of the one of the first things that, and I re- made this comment, I believe, last episode with Mothra, that we're now seeing a different relationship between the humans and the kaiju, in terms of when they were when they were asking for Mothra to save them in the last movie. Now they're like pretty legitimately teaming up with King Kong. I mean, as much as you, as much as you really can team up with. Mm-hmm. King Kong. So it's an interesting. A lot of there's a lot of themes that I was noticing. Kind of are not they're not changed, but they are transformed. So now the relationship with the kaiju is like okay, Godzilla's just bad. Period. Yeah. We need to make sure we're fighting him as best we can. So I guess King Kong's kind of our kind of our man here. And I'm really curious now because remember we've been saying that it clearly military is not the answer to fight the kaiju. This is in some respects, nature fighting back. 
So mm-hmm. in a sense, we're seeing humans doing what they're supposed to do. They're teaming up with nature. If anything yeah. that this franchise has taught us is that we should be partnered with nature and working towards its ultimate good compared to exploiting it for profit or exploiting it for violent war gain. Now, now they're actually kind of doing what they're supposed to. Yeah. So I thought, I thought that was pretty interesting. See, I, I, I will say that there is still a death toll in this film. I guess my point is you don't see it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's still people that die. It's just turn your phone on silent. Sorry. This is like the first time it's ever been on. <laughs> Actually, it's not. I've heard it a few times, but I always edit it out. I'm leaving this one in though. Um, <sighs> so, yeah, I just it, with the tonal shift, they have to change it, right? It's yeah. They, having that would have would have made it different but yeah true i i think it's interesting that you bring up the partnering part because ultimately i think it's a less partnering with kong and more like how do we manipulate him to do what we want him to mm. do acknowledging mm-hmm. that they have no control really over who he is right you know sure and, yeah and what's really interesting too about the military element is again yeah i mean the military i don't remember who said it but i loved it where it's like a Godzilla film is just a military spending like 45 minutes coming up with a plan and Godzilla disrupts it in like five seconds. You mm-hmm. know, like everything they do just falls flat. And it's funny, like the most ingenuitive people are, you know, you have uh, uh, Kenji Sahara playing, you know, Kazuo. Like he has this like super tensile string that he uses. And like that's what saves the day. Right. And it's mm-hmm. it's the two two employees who are like, oh wait, let's play the music from you know from Faroe Island to to put Kong to sleep and hey, let's let's use the berry juice and shoot out his missiles. Like it's nothing the military is doing. The military's partnering with them, but the military is effective when they're not using their weapons to attack and to hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's kind mm-hmm. of an interesting commentary on that too, is just again, I I feel like I've I've talked to several people about this. They're like, oh yeah, like I never thought about Ishiro Honda being a pacifist. And like once you see that, it changes all of these films. Like there's there's still a few where it's a little bit more explicit, mm-hmm. like maybe not as pacifistic, but like overall, I mean, there's there's no getting around it once you see it. It's just like there's no turning back. Yeah. Yeah, because even in this one there's still some pretty explicit imagery of the military failing, mm-hmm. but yeah. And it's funny that you bring up the berries because we've seen a lot of like, I'm trying to think of a good word for it. Like all of these Islanders working with these berries that are super potent and super like special Mm-hmm. And this might be the first time we've like, cause you pointed out in the last episode that selling the anti-radiation potion would have been made a killing and it would have been exactly what Japan needs at this time, mm-hmm. but it's, it's ignored. But now we see a little more direct and more pragmatic application of the berries, but they're still ignored again. Like the guy, I don't remember his name, but he's like, hey, I found these berries. And like they recognize the potency, but they're like, no, mm-hmm. we need bigger. Let's get yeah. this monster. Right. And I'm like, right. ah, but but if that's not 
the point, you know, I don't know what is right. That it's like, uh, okay. So let's, let's try like going systematically. What's, I think this would be interesting, like going from beginning to end of the film. Mm -hmm. So I know you said you haven't watched the American version. I don't know if you ended up watching it last minute or not, but like, that's where this whole shift changes where the film you watch is obviously how it's supposed to be seen. Right. Mm -hmm. But in the American version, they add all these weird edits of like some space station and excuse me, beer burp. Um, (laughs) and going from like this weird, like UN broadcast. So like it changes the whole tone. It gets really annoying and confusing. Um, whereas in the Japanese version, like right off the bat, you see like, this commercial right for the the science program and how they're losing funding and we need to come up with an idea. So then they come to the drawing board of, well, let's go to this Island and try to, to find this God. And I can't remember how the criterion version uh, refers to him, but it was really interesting that way. But if you notice right off the bat, uh, Mr. Taco, which apparently is like a, some kind of pun about octopus, so in the Criterion version, mm. I don't know if the version you watch captured it, but when they rush in and he's in the hut, you know, the one of the guys is sick, uh, Kinsaburo, they're like, oh, Taco, like it's supposed to be octopus, right? And he's like, what? Mr. Taco's here. You know, that's the, oh. the whole joke. It's like, he's like, why is he here? Um, oh, that's funny. But you don't get that in the, the American version. So I, I bring all that up because in that film where they're sitting around the table talking about the island, you notice he does the heads or tails thing, right? Throughout, mm-hmm. So throughout the whole film, we see someone who who plays everything by chance, right? He makes decisions not off of whether a logical or a reasonable decision, but he leaves it up to what he considers fate. And that clearly doesn't play out for him at the end. Mm-hmm. Because now he's responsible for all of the destruction that Kong brings, but we're kind of jumping ahead of ourselves there. So, yeah. So, like, the way that the film sets up the humans, like, how did you feel about that, right? Because it does take a minute to get to any actual action in the film. And I'm not considering that a bad thing at all. Heck no. It is interesting because one of the first things that I've been thinking about with the movie is that this it moves a little less from a commentary on nuclear armament and warfare. And we're definitely seeing a few more like wait, I don't know how would if you would consider funding necessarily like a pure capitalist commentary, but now instead of military like direct military involvement, the films are starting to critique using exploiting nature for money, whether for scientific purposes or entertainment purposes. Yeah. So I've, I was curious about that shift. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily exploiting nature necessarily, but yeah, that exploitation capitalism, I mean, that's something every source that I, I was looking at for this film that they point that out. Right. I mean, like we're literally looking at, a wrestling match and that that's almost <laughs> like the way that they fight each other it is and they mention that in the film so that's why the american version they they remove any references of that so then it just seems silly right like the way that the monsters are fighting it's like well this doesn't seem like how monsters would fight well again it's kind of a commentary on that where you know at one point they're like well let's place a bet who's gonna win 
You know, like people are just sitting so passively about this, like, oh, two giant monsters are like wrecking havoc and we're just going to casually play space. But like at the end mm-hmm. of the day, wouldn't you kind of do that too, though? Like, isn't that kind of a way to like cope with stress and anxiety is to make a joke? But yeah, there's it, it, there's a little more to that, too. It's not just how do we cope with stress, but I I can't help but think of back my senior year of college, I think there was like a really like heavily advertised like MMA fight or boxing match, mm-hmm. like Manny Pacquiao or something. And like, it was a hundred dollars to watch it on pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And I remember like everyone in my college town was watching it, but of course it was more like 70 people were crammed into an apartment. So we only had to pay once. But the, we we have such this weird voyeurism of violence as a community, as a people yeah. that like say what you will about Game of Thrones, but there was such a commodification of violence in the show mm-hmm. that even even our children's shows will cut out swearing, will cut out like nudity, but even Power Rangers rated G is still fairly violent, like actual sentient beings still explode they're still turning swords and guns on each other there's something about violence that we've been desensitized to so when two giant monsters are literally having a boxing match we don't view that as like terrifying we're just like oh it's it's cooler violence it's more entertaining violence yeah and that's a i love you not not you chris talking to my (laughs) wife she's going to bed i mean i do love you but Um, yeah, that's part of the reason why, like, I'm still hesitant sometimes to, like, let Jasper watch some of these films, right? Because, I mean, as we get further on, you start seeing guns and, you know, a little bit more violence. And, yeah, there is a certain point where we we do accept it. Whereas if that was happening on the streets, obviously we wouldn't, right? So, I, I, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's even been an episode two of Ultraman that I sat with them and I'm like, ooh, I really that was a little bit more graphic than I was expecting. Um but yeah, it, it does have a lot to say about that where we just we treat these things like I mean really it's just entertainment, you know, and mm-hmm. I think we're looking at more of a capitalistic capitalism, I guess, approach on this because now we're almost 20 years removed from, you know, having the bombs dropped right like and the economy is rebuilding slowly but surely so obviously that's it's probably going to be a little bit more of an emphasis on that it's a little bit less prevalent than you know necessarily the nukes like being right in your peripherals um Mm -hmm. but i do find it interesting that in the japanese version you know they're like well are we going to use a nuke to stop godzilla and it's very clearly like no we're not right because of course Mm -hmm. like we know what this is capable of we're not going to do it whereas i think in the american version they kind of make a passing reference of like being a little bit more understandable why they would do that which of course it's like we you know we don't america doesn't know how it feels to really have that right so of course we're going to be more likely to go to that as a decision um what I love about the Japanese version is like, you know, the whole scene where they're having the party and all that and they realize all the reporters left and the the boss gets mad. 
like that whole scene is like cut from the American version. Like there's so many hmm. scenes in this film that are cut in the American version that that's why the American version is so frustrating to me because it really doesn't make sense. Like it's, yeah. it's just an action film to a certain degree. Whereas this one, like it actually does have a story. It has a story of a failing company that they're, they're trying to do whatever they can to make money. So they go on this, they, they, they throw Hail Mary, right? Like we're just going to go find this giant, giant deity supposed, and we don't even know how we're going to get him back. Like, you know, let's not even like consider the ramifications of removing, uh, what is worshipped as a god from an established community, what that's going to do. But let's right. just bring him back to make money and God forbid anything happens. Like, there's there's a lot to say about that and you just, you miss that in the American version. So yeah, it's just, it's it's such a different film. Whereas, I mean, this one, it's just, there's more weight to me, I think. So, mm-hmm. so obviously, we have this part of, you know, getting to the island, right? Oh, and you know, you start seeing this subplot of uh, Kinji Sahara's character. Um, he's the one that uh, developed the tensile string. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you see that that element of, you know, that romance there, right? He goes on the ship and then he ends up leaving before the the ship goes down, which in the American version, they don't make any reference to that. You don't even really know he's on a ship. So you have this <laughs> scene of like, the 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 lady drop i don't remember um i think it's uh i don't remember what her name is i i should have got all that down um when she drops the plate though right mm-hmm. cuz she's like oh a ghost but like there's no real reference of why that would be such a big deal because he just kind of disappears but in the japanese version it's because he's on a ship and they don't know that he got off the ship and the ship sinks and then he shows up back home again they're like oh my gosh like <laughs> you're you're okay like you 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 miss all of that. So so yeah, we get on we get on the ship, right? You see the submarine and the horrible American acting of oh we've hit an iceberg, and the scene <laughs> where I convinced Jasper that an iceberg was peeing months oh, ago. No. So then we watch it again. He's like oh the iceberg's peeing. I'm like no it's oh wait I did tell you that. Um, <laughs> wait that was my fault. <laughs> Sorry about yeah, that's yeah. I was like oh you were paying attention. Um, so we get to the island. This is the part I really want to talk to you about. So you get to the island and you get Japanese blackface. Mm. Yeah. And giving cigarettes to minors. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I've been waiting which, to talk to you which about really, this Which really, we've talked so frequently before about the the representation of these islanders that it's like whoa whoa it could get worse now you're telling me yeah i wasn't i wasn't gonna spoil that one for you <laughs> yeah well <laughs> i don't know if i'm appreciative or <laughs> why yeah i mean it's an experience for sure and that's the thing american or japanese version it's in both oh well now i'm kind of curious because with the advent of Disney Plus, they too have shown some of their less than, less than um, kosher, less than PC mm-hmm. cartoons from the past, like Song of the South. But then they put up these big old warning labels, like these represent outdated 
ideas of different people. And I'm kind of like, there's such an interesting question of, well, should you have just, is it censoring to remove them? Mm -hmm. Is it that you're still trying to profit off these, despite the fact that you're admitting they're extremely racist? So I'm curious, does the Criterion Collection, since you are more familiar with that, since it's the most recent release, does it reference that at all? What is Does it no. deal with it, or is it just a fact of the movie? I mean, it's just a fact of the movie. And, like, I, I, I call it blackface, because obviously it's... It, it, it's not blackface in the sense of, like, a white person putting on makeup to be black, right? Mm-hmm. It's definitely a little bit closer, I feel like. So, like, that's why, I mean, it is problematic, but I'm just like, eh, I mean, should they have just hired people from that ethnicity? But then you're like, we talked about last time you're creating a people, right? So, I mean, I don't know if there's really what the right way looks like, but no, they don't say anything. Okay. Yeah, I guess I just, like, I don't know how much we can rely on saying this is fairly problematic like, please, when you watch this, don't celebrate this. Because mm-hmm. we've very clearly learned, even up until the day of our recording, that we are far more okay with problematic representation than we think we are. Yeah. We like to think that we're totally against it. So, I don't know. I It's a real, it's a real tough question of censoring, like to what extent do you say, Oh, it's a product of its time, which mm-hmm. is kind of a pretty bad excuse in some respects. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting conversation worth having. And I think this is one that might be beyond the scope of one movie, mm-hmm. which maybe a few movies down the line, we can revisit this conversation in a little bit more prolonged way, especially if there's a movie with less content. Yeah, the then one of the next films we'll watch will kind of return to that, the Islanders. But like, okay, it's not. I would say it's probably the best approach to it, in my opinion. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I think when you say something's a product of its time, you're not necessarily justifying it, but you're looking at the context of. I mean, legitimately, like racism is always well, it hasn't always, but it's been a thing for a while, right? But I think it's something where you acknowledge that like people have progressively realized how integrated these mindsets are in our society, right? And I mean, this film really came out before even the heyday of the civil rights movement, you know? Like mm. so I think there's just there's there's something to be said about not necessarily being correct. Well, yeah. I, I guess the, you know, the heyday is like it kind of culminated in the late sixties. Um, so it's not that it's correct, but like me as a person who had, who grew up in a religion that justified racism pretty heavily. Um, mm-hmm. I can be sympathetic to like why people would think this is normal. I don't agree with it. I don't support it. I don't want to perpetuate it, but I can look at a film and be like, okay, if the film entirely was racist, I wouldn't even want to watch it. Right. But it's the scene here that deals with a lot of cultural baggage that I'm not just going to cancel 
Toho and Godzilla over this thing when, I mean, even my, I mean, the church at large, right? Even evangelicals were struggling with this. So like, again, doesn't mean it's right, but I can be compassionate and realizing that like everyone has made progress in this capacity, you know? So, but yeah, it's a tough conversation to have for sure. Um, so once we're on the island though, you know, I feel like this is where we start seeing a lot of where this movie shines, right? You start seeing the interactions with the Islanders where, you know, it's like they legitimately buy Kong with a bunch of tobacco. Like right. in the American version, again, you don't see that. You're just like, wait, what? He's on the boat. But in the Japanese <laughs> version, this is the indication of like, hey, like you give them as much tobacco as they need. Like this is what it's going to take to to get Kong. Um how did you feel about the the fight with the the octopus though? <laughs> I first want to point out that I couldn't help but think of um, the Watchmen and what we that. missed from the movie. What? I never did watch that. Oh well, in the comic, it ends with Ozymandias like putting a giant squid in the middle of New York, but Ooh. the movie does not feature that. Why but, not? Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not really sure. Maybe it didn't fit the tone of the movie yeah. in a way that Dr. Manhattan's naked CG penis did. But once you see it, you'll understand that reference. <laughs> Do I want to see it, though? No. Okay. I thought it was kind of, I'm not going to say. It's a popular movie that I did not enjoy. That's as far as I'm going to go. Anyway. Yeah, that's fair enough. I was a little curious, so... I, this is going to be the boring answer to your question mm-hmm. is, and now that I've learned that there were, you said there were already two King Kong movies. Yeah. Yeah. You have King Kong and then son of Kong. So of Kong. I mean, tech, yeah. So I was just, I was curious because the explanations for giant monsters have really kind of gone out the window mm-hmm. compared to where they used to be. And I'm kind of like in a world with, dozens of stories tall monsters which one do you choose how do you what direction do you know how to go in yeah there's there's no explanation why kong is here which is fine i don't think it needs it but yeah it's a it's an interesting dynamic like because even like the relationship between the villagers and kong like i feel like it's kind of similar to what we saw in Varan, right? Mm-hmm. In the sense of like, he's gated off compared to Mothra, where like Mothra is a part of the community. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kong is, you know, separate and you have to appease him and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I was just more curious, like with the actual, like the effects of the fight between Kong and the octopus. It's, it's oh. actually still one of my favorite fight scenes just for some reason. Cause but. I'll just go ahead and answer one of the we'll answer one of the questions that we had. Like, what do you even think about the Kong suit in general? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. The the embarrassment of riches that I've had of just like having seen pictures of the new Kong. I was like, whoa, that's yeah. a suit for you. It's clear. Like they put all of the money in the Godzilla suit. And then mm-hmm. Kong, they're like, "Oh crap, we still need to do this. We still need a, we still need a Kong suit. Oh no!" Which is funny because you would think that even back then, 
there'd be gorilla suits being sold at whatever the 60s version of spirit halloween was but yeah i mean like this is the first time we see godzilla in color right like he looks awesome yeah. this is one of my favorite designs and then kong like i've got a sweet spot for it but it's just like they they i i just don't even know what to do with it i really don't like even the drawn design on like the the posters for this mm-hmm. film is better than the actual suit we got i wonder i've always been curious because to draw back to star wars a little bit mm-hmm. we think about how stormtrooper armor has is designed sometimes for aesthetics if they're just chilling and so you know you think that rogue one takes place an hour before a new hope yeah but for some reason the stormtroopers are different until you realize in real life the rogue one stormtroopers needed a greater range of motion than the new hope stormtroopers did Mm -hmm. so i was kind of curious if the suit looked like that because it needed to be if it needed to function as a moving suit what is that what does that do for the face though that's the issue well, okay. is the face. Maybe they've never seen a gorilla no, before. <laughs> no, it's I was trying to give them a little benefit of the doubt, but yeah. if if we don't want to do that, it was pretty bad. And I yeah. the only thing I might have thought was like, is this what they had to do so he could see out of it? Yeah. Well, I mean that is part of the reason why Godzilla has a longer neck, is because that's where he sees out, right? So <laughs> it's yeah, it's always interesting if you look for Godzilla's neck. It's always a thing there. So, well, I've never looked for his neck before, but I'll definitely be looking for it now. Yeah, we'll do that next time. <laughs> I'm lucky. I think I'm funny. Can we just end the episode now? <laughs> Don't we have any more listener questions? No. Um. <laughs> So I'm realizing I feel like going from plot point to plot point. So let's just be honest, guys. This is a pretty thin movie. I feel like it's a good one. It was fun, but there's really not a whole lot to say about it. Because I mean, it was just kind of made like a kind of brand like, hey, we've got an idea. Let's make this okay. So obviously, Ashura Honda and Sekizawa, you know, they tried to inject as much commentary in life as they could. Um but there's just there's not a whole lot but the thing i like i keep thinking about is mr taco right is like Mm -hmm. he's a spiritual successor to clark nelson in a way and i thought about this long and hard because i'm like you know clark nelson he's like hey i've got a chance to take these berries and make money but i'm gonna exploit the fairies, the Shobijin, right? Whereas Mr. Taco is like, hey, I've got this red berries that I could do, but I want to get this monster. And if he wouldn't have done this, I mean, on the one hand, like if they wouldn't have got Kong, what would have happened with Godzilla, right? Like I, I thought mm-hmm. about that. I'm like, well, actually Godzilla was defeated because of Kong. So in a way that was a benefit. But like, then you also think about all the destruction that happened, right? This is... You know, my my comment here was that similar to Clark Nelson, albeit without malice, destruction is a result of one man's selfishness. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me think of like, you know, what is that saying about, you know, just in general, like these decisions that we make in life, 
you know, for our own gain and pursuit, like what that can do for someone's life. And I've even thought about that in car sales where, you know, uh, a manager was talking about it today, how, you know, back in the day before there was really the internet was as prevalent, you know, car salespeople could make 20 to 30 grand a month easy because you would take advantage of customers because they didn't know if they're buying the car at a mm. good price. It would be really $12,000. You'd tell them, you know, $20,000. And okay, well, if the bank approves it, the banks approves it, right? Sure. You don't You don't really get to do that anymore, which is fine. That's why car sales dealerships have moved to go into more volume than gross profit. But like, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily say like, these are bad people who did this before, but like they were exploiting people for their own profit. And as a result, let's say this person, you know, had an issue and they needed to trade out of the car. Well, they were completely upside down now as a result. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really, I I look at this. I'm like, you know, we're, we're seeing these characters in these films that don't care about what happens. I, I would say he's probably a little bit more sympathetic. Like he does care a little bit, but like it's clear he didn't really think out the implications of bringing a monster into the mainland, and maybe he didn't know what he was getting into. But that doesn't absolve him from his responsibility, right? right. So I don't know how you feel about that. I again, he's definitely not evil like Clark Nelson was, but it was. I I feel like with this film, they took a lot of what Mothra. That's kind of what Sekizawa does. Is he's like, well, this worked here. So I'm going to try this again, but spruce it up a little bit. So it's not like mm-hmm. a rehash necessarily, but he realized like, hey, it works. Let's try it again until he refines it, which I feel like with Mothra vs. Godzilla, it's like the perfect film, but that's besides the point. Hmm. Is that next? Uh, I don't think so. We've actually got a couple ahead of us. Okay. Cool. So something to look forward to. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, how do you how do you feel about the film as a whole? Just like being able to really analyze it. I mean, do you agree with me that it's just like it's a good film, enjoyable film, just not a lot to necessarily dive into? Yeah, I think I think my I would be really curious what we would feel like if this was podcast number three rather than number six. Mm-hmm. We might. I feel like we probably, and, and I'm repeating what you're saying, but only a little more dummy, a little more dumber. You mean but eloquently? Like, no, not this time. This time, uh, it's just a lot of comments that we've made in previous episodes, we would say here. So you're right. I think it feels a little thin, but maybe in respect of being number six on our list, and had it been number three, it would have had plenty to talk about. But I don't know. It was fun. I mean, I'll jump ahead to the rating a little bit and say Mm -hmm. that in terms of like, it didn't have as much to say. It still had stuff to say, but it was was a little more fun. It was a little more campy. If, If the monster fights stay a little more toward the, there's still a human element to it because there's humans in them. And as ugly as Kong was, it's still there's a real physicality to these fights. Yeah, I, I think if the kaiju fights keep a little bit more like this, a little more physical, kind of a knockout thing. I mean, we can talk about the super powered explosion at the end, but there was still 
of physicality. I really appreciate it. So, so if this is kind of the future of the franchise, which, you know, having no idea what it is, and I say this a lot, we're six movies in and I'm still talking about the future of the franchise rather than we're admitting we're in it. This is the franchise. Mm-hmm. But if this is the future of Kaiju fights, I could get behind it because there's still a good human element to it. There's still questions of responsibility. Cause if you want to talk about a movie that didn't deal with the human elements, but it's kind of the same movie, like you already brought up the lost world. It's a it's a similar concept, right? But instead of the T Rex, it's King Kong, which seems like a bigger deal than a T Rex. But I don't I don't know if Lost World dealt with responsibility quite as much. No, I don't. It's been so long since I've seen it, so I can't really comment as on that. As it should be, it wasn't um, a great movie. Yeah, but I just remember. I mean, for the day, I mean, the effects are incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and see, but I'm like. To me, I feel like this is probably so far has been like my favorite plot line. Like, I feel like, you know, obviously the original has some great acting. I mean, incredible acting, to be honest. Um, and then with Mothra, we we definitely saw more of that come to play. But this one here, I mean, it's just such a great cast of characters. You know, they're they're very... Again, this is why I I always suggest watching the Japanese at least once because mm-hmm. when you do the dubs, you not only lose the dialogue, right? Like I remember, so in the the in the American version, when um, oh God, why did I close out of my notes here? Um, go back. Where do we go? Um. Uh, Kinsaburo, when he's sick in the the hut, in the American version, he's complaining about his corns. Mm. I'm like, what? What? It makes no sense. So, like, but as a kid, I'm like, you know, whatever. But then, as an adult, I watch that. And I'm like, wait, he's not complaining about his corns. What's going on? And that <laughs> that was really like what solidified how important it is to watch these sub you know as the japanese subtitled i mean i knew mm-hmm. that before but this is like point of why you should do that um but yeah i just i feel like if you watch in the japanese you actually see like the the emotion in these characters acting the way they deliver their lines the way that they they play off of each other i mean these are good actors and actresses like these the way that they deliver their lines the scripting i mean like this would be passable for what we're going on, you know, what we have coming out now, I feel like quality wise. So that's what's just yeah. such a bummer about the dubs is like the the dialogue is when I see people like, well, the, the show of films are goofy. I'm like, well, yeah, but you watch the dubs almost exclusively. That's why you think that you watch these films and yeah, they're funny, but like they're not silly. Mm-hmm. It's not just entirely slapstick humor. So I, I say that because yes, there's a lot of what's happening here that we're going to see moving down the road, but I feel like to me, this is still one of the best examples of like when human elements and Kaiju fights can coexist. And I feel yeah. like this is a, this is definitely the the perfection at least because we've only really seen one instance before now 
But like, this is definitely a lot better than Godzilla Raids again in that regard. Yeah. And real quick, real quick before we pour one out for the dead. And questions. When we bring it back to our gatekeeping discussion at the beginning, I think it's important that we like with anime, we talk about, oh, well, I prefer the subs because that's how you're supposed to watch anime. But like, there's really no difference with the dubs except for who's speaking. Like, we don't want to say that like the you have to watch Japanese or you're not a Godzilla fan. But the difference is, it's not just the voice actors are different. But apparently, scenes are changed and talk about your corns. And I'm sure a lot of other nonsense comes up over the space of the films. I don't know. I I don't yeah. think you're belaboring that too much, but I did want to point it out. Because no, we had discussed that. great ke- gatekeeping for so long. Great keeping. Great um, keeping. Well, you said corns, and I thought about grading your feet, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, you're right, though. You know, it, it's definitely not like... I think for me, it's more of a... If this is how it was intended to be watched... Like, Mm -hmm. I think that should be important, right? Going back into biblical theology, I mean, not necessarily like, well, the the epistles were written in Greek, therefore you should read (laughs) it in Greek. But Mm -hmm. you have to understand that, like, there's translations. Even watching a Japanese film, the English subtitles are still being translated. But, like, at least Mm -hmm. that's closer than what we see with the dubs where they completely rework plot points that scenes are edited out, like complete ideas and thoughts are changed so i'm just like you can watch the dub but i'm like i feel like if you don't even watch the japanese version to know what's really going on like you're really doing yourself a disservice because it's like here's you know if if you watch the japanese version and you're like that's not a good film then you kind of like okay but if you watch the dub you've seen what it's supposed to be yeah and then you watch the dub which is a translation of the sub, which is still a translation of the original. Like, hopefully, you, you start seeing how many degrees you're removed, right? Yeah. So, so right. that's why I just get suspicious when I see people like, oh, well, this movie is not good. And I'm like, okay, well, which one do you watch? And they say the dub. I'm like, okay, what? Well, you've never watched the original film. Like, you're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So to say, like, Godzilla, the original Godzilla isn't good, but you've only watched the American, like the the recut. I'm like, well, watch the original. And then you watch the original and you sit there and like, wow, this is a very sobering film. Mm-hmm. Like completely different than how the American version is. So but I do appreciate the clarification. Yeah. And I guess I guess to your point, we think about when we think about language theory. Mm-hmm. there's that quote that I always appreciated by Gadamir who said that all translation is being unfaithful at some point. Yeah. Which in itself was translated from French. So there you go. But yeah, like I, with death note, I know there's a whole point about light, 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 light Yagami's name is a pun because the kanji is actually like the kanji for moon, mm-hmm. but his name is pronounced light. So there are there. I mean, even in anime, I was a little harsh in saying, well, you're just being a persnickety. No, there's <laughs> there is definitely stuff lost. But anyway, let's move to pouring one out. And we I gotta think do, we got to do questions first. Oh, I thought you said we didn't have any more. 
No, or I you didn't. just wanted to end the episode. I just, yeah, I was joking. <laughs> no, right, we, sorry, we've sorry. got a couple. Um, so I got some from Reddit this time, which it sounds like Chris is a private lurker, which is interesting. Um, I'm a redditor. Yeah, I just didn't know you were figure out which one I am. Subreddit. Um, <laughs> Find me so, on the Pretty Little Liars Reddit. Oh, jeez. So we'll do the Reddit questions first because we already did one um the the king kong suit design by the way was from godzilla fan 62 but uh i have xxx underscore berg 3r underscore king underscore xxx so he has two questions that is for his us. real name and i saw his birth certificate it is <laughs> so his first question which really won't apply to you is do you think the idea from the American cut that Godzilla's brain is the size of a grape is canon. And I say, <laughs> in the famous words of Pablo Hidalgo, I think I'm paraphrasing, none of this is canon. So, no. Um, I saw that gift today and I was just dying. You know, the one where he's just sitting in the chair and he he's off. sitting in the sleigh. The sleigh, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Um, but the more important question is, do you think the franchise would have continued if King Kong vs. Godzilla had bombed? And I do. I think it would have set him back for sure. I think you would have seen budgets get slashed down because this is actually at this time, I think the highest budget for a film like this and they made buku bucks. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I think it would have kept going on. I just, I, I don't think we would have seen things progress the same way we did. I think we may have seen a return to like individual monsters, maybe not going back to Godzilla over and over again. But I think since this did so well, it cemented the fact that Godzilla really does sell. Cause yeah, you're right. I mean, we're going from 1954 to 1962. And this is only the third film Godzilla has been in, but we've already had countless other films. That's interesting. I'll defer to your answer on that one. Cause I don't have enough of the, Historical context. Yeah. Um, or the present context. So the Black Swordsman 97 had two questions as well. Um, so he said, would you be fine if the American cut of King Kong vs. Godzilla was never made and the film was released uncut like it should have been? And to that I say, <laughs> heck yes. Absolutely. I have actually been tempted to throw away my American version now that I've got a bootleg and official legal version of the Japanese film. So it's, I really can't stress I, how much I dislike it now. I would be curious though, to hear, he said black swordsman. Mm -hmm. If we could hear from Mr. Swordsman, what the reasoning behind the question was, because I, I, it feels like there might be something else underneath that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I say that obviously having the American version helped out a lot. I just wish we would have seen the Japanese version come out legally in the United States before 2019. That would have been nice Toho, <laughs> but you know, just keep playing the way that you do. Um, and then his second question was, what was your first Godzilla movie? So I am pretty sure mine was, you know, Godzilla King of the monsters. So 1955 and then yours was the 98 one, right? No, it was actually the 2014 one first. Really? And then the 98 one. Really? Okay. 
I just, I was like, oh, this was pretty good. Let me check out the last one with Inspector Gadget. And I was like, okay, they must not be very good. Oh, sweet <laughs> summer child. <laughs> yeah, it was funny though. When you sent over your bio for the website, you you called it the 97 version. So I lovingly corrected that for you. Oh, I, I just was like, I know it was out in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, last question from SpookFusion underscore Shinji01 is favorite part of the King Goji suit. So again, it's funny. We've had, you know, same question kind of for both. Um, for me, I, I like that he's a little bit more reptilian, less dinosaur-y, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, he's just in color. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, it, it must have been a big deal to see that. So... I think now, in hindsight, I just love... This is probably the first film where I've realized how big his neck is for the eye holes. So that's going to be my thing is the neck. Yeah. It's kind of like a very popular Spider-Man actor. Once someone pointed out his neck, it was tough to not see. Who's that? Andrew Garfield. I was trying not to say any names. Okay, hold on. I'm Googling. Just check out his neck. Not Garfield. Garfield. <laughs> Spider-Man. The president of Russia. Neck. Oh. My. <laughs> God. That yeah. neck. He looks yeah. like he should be uh, in Fantastic Four there. Ooh. Like- <laughs> Our new miss it's it's between him and Jim Halpert who's being Mr. Fantastic, but yeah. One See, will save the effects budget. I, I didn't like Fantastic Four enough. I was like, I think his name's Mr. Fantastic, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um I am avoiding the Neon Genesis Evangelion quote of getting the costume Shinji. But Yeah. So <laughs> that's like my seventh unfunny joke this podcast. That's all right, man. I just we're we're gonna lean into it. Um <laughs> so where where's your score on the film before we do end? I'm gonna say Oh crap. My son's actually crying. We're gonna have to press pause. I'll be right back. Okay. curious if David's going to listen to this. So, I'm going to tell you more Godzilla ships that I have. I think last time I, sh- I shipped King Ghidorah's first head with Godzilla. And I think I still stand by that one. But now I am going to ship Mothra and Frankenstein now that they're in the same canon. I think that would be a really interesting like Shrek dynamic, almost the donkey and dragon dynamic going on. Like which one's more scary than the other? Which one do I think would be more I don't know. Demanding. What are you doing in my swamp? 
how much of that did you hear and how much of that are you keeping in it's gonna be all at the end (laughs) praise jesus okay so yeah mallory had him so he was fine i just heard it on the monitor okay so i had asked you so where did you end up with the score yeah i would put it at an eight and that's a nuanced eight to say out of five oh yeah probably okay then i'll i'll proportion it down to a four like i think i still prefer the original gojira a little more Mm -hmm. just in terms of how much i had to say but i enjoyed myself with this one yeah so it's pretty up there yeah i'm gonna have to say a four as well um from an enjoyment standpoint it's probably at the top but if we're gonna go off of like an impactful film, which I, it didn't, I don't think necessarily intended to be intended to be in the same way. So I'm not going to judge it for that, but yeah, it, it's just definitely more of like the, the good balance between the humans and the action is what I wish we would have gotten with our recent bits of the monster verse and all that. But, um, yeah, so appreciate your guys' patience. A little bit of a longer episode, a little bit, uh, a little bit more erratic, I think. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> Chaos is good um, in most things. But uh, yeah, so we're gonna pour one out. I'm gonna let you share yours before I share mine. I am pouring one out for the tree that Kong shoves down Godzilla's throat. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. I I could uh, help myself. I was dying when that was going down. I was like, what am I watching? Yeah, I see that in GIF form all the time. Um, I haven't yet, and it killed me. Yeah, just search like eat your vegetables. It's a pretty common one. Oh, um, interesting. So mine is for the octopus but in real life because he didn't die in the film right (laughs) but here's the thing so as quoted and there were four octopuses used in that scene where it fights the natives right you know the the live octopus um but at the end of the day after the scene was finished three of them were released and then the fourth became uh, Subaraya, the special effect director. He ate it for dinner. See, I was watching the credits waiting for them to say no octopi were harmed in the making of this film. And it didn't show up. Because there was one. So they were being honest. So there we go. Thank you guys for listening. This has been another episode of the Kaiju Apostle podcast. On the next episode, you think I would have this pulled up, right? But I don't. But make sure you stay tuned for the next film that we're reviewing, which is actually (laughs) a bonus episode. So we're not going to tell you what it is because that wouldn't be fun. But the awesome thing is we do have a special guest who's going to be joining us because we're going to start doing that now. But we're not going to tell you who that is either because that's part of the fun. 
So we're really excited to share this you know, bonus episode with you guys. Um, we're going to make sure to not spoil it till it comes out. But until then... I'm not up. even watching it until it comes out. Oh, well, that's going to be weird. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I may be the only one operating the accounts, but if you have anything to share with Chris, you can either hit him up on his uh, his sites, which is just Chris Worms, W-E-R-M-S. Um, but apart from that, like I said, we've got a bonus episode with a special guest next time. And then after that, we're actually going to be doing a live episode for another bonus. We're not going to tell you what that one is either. So... The next, the next few episodes are going to be pretty fun. It's going to be a nice little Christmas season because that episode comes out two days before Christmas. So. so thank you guys again for listening. Y'all are great. Have a good whatever time of day it is. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Kaiju Apostle Podcast. Tune in to future episodes on most major podcast distributors, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. For more information, including music credits, please visit our website at www.thekaijuapostle.com or at instagram.com slash the.kaiju.apostle. We appreciate your support and hope to hear from you soon.